0: Indeed, what an incredible Savior that we serve, what a loving Lord that we follow. And it's no secret that our present uh, American culture seems to quickly be becoming a post-Christian culture. Now, I'm not sure that we were ever quite as fully uh, a Christian culture as we like to think that we were, but by and large, our culture no longer uh, tends to value uh, things simply because they are taught in the Scriptures. In other words, that's no longer near as significant to the average citizen as perhaps uh, it once was. And as believers in Jesus, believers of the message of the Gospel, we have such an incredible opportunity to shine the light of the Gospel throughout the world today. Indeed, where the culture is at odds with the message of the gospel, the light of the gospel shines the very brightest. Paul was nearing the end of his life, and he was writing to instruct Timothy in the faith and in the ministry, and he challenged Timothy to continue proclaiming the message of the gospel, to continue adhering to the truths of God's word, to proclaim the message of salvation. No matter what opposition or Obstacle stood in his way. And as Paul reflected on his own pending death, he, he wrote to Timothy, He said, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. And though the context for Paul is somewhat different than the context in which we live today, the call upon our lives as followers of Jesus is the same. So we've been journeying through. New Testament letter of 1 Peter, we've been seeing that this world is not our home, that we are temporary residents here, that we are resident aliens, that we are strangers on this earth, and we we long for our future day. We long for another day, the day on which our Lord returns and gathers his own, all of the ransomed, all of the redeemed to enjoy his presence for all of eternity. But as long as we are here, as long as we are on this earth, uh, the message of the gospel is always always countercultural and as believers in Jesus we are called upon to proclaim and to live in light of the hope of the gospel and with that being said let me invite you to open the scriptures with me once again this morning to the new testament letter of first peter first peter near the end of Uh, The completed Bible, 1 Peter chapter 4, as we pick up where uh, Ben left off uh, preaching uh, from God's Word uh, last week. And as we open the Scriptures, we see that we are called upon and we are invited to love and to serve and to follow Jesus Christ. And following Jesus, I believe, means faithfulness to the very end. The call to follow Christ, the the call to be a follower of Jesus, to be a Christian... To be a believer, to be one of the saved, is to follow Jesus Christ to the very end of this life. And Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 4 and helps us understand what that looks like for believers living in the world in every age. So as you find your place in 1 Peter chapter 4, let me invite you to join me standing for the reading of God's word. 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. I'll read verses 1 through they are surprised that you do not join them in the reckless wild living and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. But this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead. So that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body. But live according to God in regard to the spirit. And Lord now we ask you to guide us by the presence Uh, of your spirit, that we might rightly understand the truths of your word and apply them to our lives today as your people. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Well, Peter begins this chapter, 1 Peter chapter 4, with uh, an important word, the word uh, therefore, uh, which means he has been uh, building to some sort of conclusion and he's now pointing back to something he has already said. And I think that word uh, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, points back uh, to what he says about Jesus in chapter uh, 3, verse 18. And there he said, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Peter said, For Christ, for Jesus, also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. That's the gospel right there, is it not? That the Son of God savior of the world became human flesh ultimately so that he could lay down his life so that he could experience tremendous pain and suffering for the unrighteous for sinners like you and for me so that we could experience forgiveness and restoration with god In other words, jesus experienced all of this for for your sake and for my sake, he experienced death for our sake. And Peter conveys here that believers or followers of Jesus, believers are expected to follow Jesus through suffering. That just as Jesus experienced suffering in this life, believers are expected to follow Jesus through suffering. Now, this is true generally uh, of, of all hardships that we face in life, of trials and temptations and tragedies and difficulties. We, as followers of Jesus, are called upon to exercise our faith, to follow him through whatever we may face. But right here, Peter is specifically talking uh, to believers about opposition that they are facing for their faith in Christ. In other words, they're encountering opposition and insult, verbal abuse, and perhaps in some cases, uh, physical persecution for their Christian way of living. During my senior year of college, uh, my roommate and I decided on a whim that it would be a good idea for us to go in together and to buy an old beat-up fishing boat uh, with a 1970s something uh, 7.5-horsepower motor that uh, when you cranked it, if it happened to run, would coat your lungs with this black, uh, smoky substance. Uh, and we uh, like to take that boat out and we put it in the Ouachita River and we quickly determined that seven and a half horses doesn't, uh, don't go very fast uh, against the natural current of the river. But even so, we would always put it in and try to go upstream. We go as far as we could upstream or as far as time would allow uh, because uh, we quickly learned that if the motor happened to break down as it was prone to do from time to time, it would be better to drift back to the, uh, the, the, the boat launch and ramp than it would be to drift away from it. So we would set out and we'd go upstream. We'd go as far as, as we could, although we'd often encounter obstacles, trees and rocks and, and low water and other things that might be uh, in, in the way. And we never would have made it anywhere, though, had we not had that motor. We would have been stuck. We could not have fought the current on our own. And likewise, Christians we as followers of Jesus are called upon to go against the natural flow of the culture. We are called upon to counter the culture. And we can never do this on our own, but thankfully we have a Savior. We have a a risen Savior and Lord who has paved the way for us and who has sent His Spirit to to be with us and to go with us and to guide us as we seek to follow after, after Him. And as we journey through life, Seeking to know and to follow Jesus. We are called upon to, to live with the same attitude and mentality of Jesus. Called upon to imitate his example and his attitude. And Philippians chapter 2 verse 8 I believe summarizes the life and the, the ministry of our Lord, of our Savior Jesus Christ in this way. Paul writes, "And being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself by, by becoming obedient to death. Even death on a cross. So Jesus Christ, the eternal God, eternal Son of God, encountered opposition, faced suffering, but even so, He was always obedient to the Father. And likewise, church, we are called upon to follow His example. We are called upon to be faithful to our God. And I believe the Scriptures teach here and elsewhere that unbelievers will oppose Faithfulness to God. Unbelievers, those who don't don't know God, who haven't trusted in Jesus for salvation, will oppose faithfulness to Jesus. So we shouldn't be surprised when the world disagrees with us. After all, this is what our Lord taught us. This doesn't mean that unbelievers oppose all that we do, they certainly don't. Many Things that Christians have done and do today are positive influences on the rest of society. Starting hospitals and schools and homeless shelters and other ministries that reach out to the hurting and the needy. But right here, Peter's describing Christians who are facing ridicule and insult because of what they have not done and what they are not doing as followers of Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 4. They are surprised. Unbelievers are surprised that you, believers, do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. In other words, they criticize you because you don't do the things they do. You see, those that turn to Christ, those who repent and believe in Him, acknowledging that He is Lord, that He is Savior, undergo an inward transformation. We begin to undergo an inward change. As the Spirit convicts us, and then the Spirit comes and fills us. And we begin to be conformed more and more to the image of Christ. But as that's happening, we still encounter temptation. We still struggle with sin. But our faith in our Lord keeps us from engaging in certain activities and living a certain way and saying certain things that the rest of the world champions and as a result Peter says that some believers face criticism for their faith. But this is nothing new, church. This has been going on ever since the first followers of Jesus trusted in in Jesus. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter three verse twelve, he said for everyone, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. Of course everyone who wants to follow Jesus, everyone who pursues Jesus and trusts in Jesus for salvation and lives for Jesus will face persecution. Everyone who trusts in Christ will encounter hardship, will encounter opposition, and this is because without Jesus, sin controls us. The Bible teaches that without faith in Jesus, we remain dead in our our sins, and that is what we once were. But if you have received the grace of God, if you have rejected sin and embraced the Master, if you have turned to Jesus for salvation, then I believe the Bible says that you can expect hostility and opposition for faith in Christ. Expect hostility and opposition for faith in in Christ. In other words, employees, don't be surprised when The executives you work for or the employees that you co-labor with don't promote and champion the values that Jesus calls his followers to do. Don't be surprised when they encourage you and even prod you to take advantage of the gullible and weak for your own benefit if they do not follow Jesus. Students, don't be surprised if your classmates don't value purity and honesty and, and loving the outcast in the name of Christ if they are not followers of Jesus Christ. But we as followers of Jesus are called upon to be faithful to Jesus to the very end of our lives, even in the face of hostility, even in the face of opposition. So believers, have others ever looked at your life, commented on your life if others unbelievers ever been surprised by your life that you do not join them in the reckless wild living as these unbelievers in the first century were with Peter's audience you see Christians are called upon to be distinct in the world called upon to follow Christ even when it's not popular we are called upon to be salt to be to be light if you fear being distinct as a follower of Christ from the rest of the world from the surrounding culture then perhaps you and I need to evaluate where we stand before God for this is what Jesus calls us to knowing that it's worth it every step of the way because he is with us and he loves us and he knows us we have the joy of knowing him Jesus said it this way to his followers John chapter 15 verses 18 and 19 he said if the world hates you Keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own, as it is. You do not belong to the world. That is why the world hates you. You see, the gospel is not uh, a popular message, by and large. You know, it's not always a very comforting message, at least not initially. It's a message that requires faith like a child to To believe, but it's not a children's story. It's a message that confronts us in our sin, in our pride, and tells us that we are not good enough. That we have not lived up to the standard, to God's standard. That we don't measure up, and that we need someone else to come in and to rescue us. The truth of the gospel is that we have not measured up. That we have all fallen short of the standard of a holy and perfect and righteous God. I'm afraid oftentimes that's not the message that the world hears us saying. Oftentimes the world hears us saying, You are not good enough. Become like us and you will be good enough. But the message of the gospel is not a message of simple behavior modification. It's a message of repenting and trusting in the eternal God who rules and reigns on high and loves us with an everlasting love and desires to call us His own. And to enjoy intimate fellowship with us for all of eternity. So as His people, we must be continually proclaiming that message. We must be rightly communicating the message of the gospel. And correcting it when it's misunderstood. And according to the word of God, God is the ultimate judge. Therefore the gospel is preached. God is the ultimate judge according to the scriptures. So the gospel is Preached, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Peter says, But they, the unbelievers, they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the Spirit. Friends, contrary to popular Opinion in the Western world today, there is absolute truth. There is a God who rules and reigns on high. And though we don't always understand his ways, and we certainly don't always measure up to his standard, he alone sets the standard. And he alone communicates the way. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John chapter 14, verse 6. So for this reason, because there is a God who loves us with an everlasting love and has laid down the life of His one and only Son, absorbing the penalty and the punishment that we deserve, judgment of God against our sin, because God has done this and desires... People to experience his love, to respond with repentance and faith. Because he has done this, the gospel is preached. The gospel has been preached and the gospel is being preached. And the gospel will continue to be preached. Meadowbrook Baptist Church, let's be a people who preach the gospel. Let's be a people who proclaim the message of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. We are called upon to follow Jesus with faithfulness to the very end of our lives. And Peter, writing here to first century believers enduring hardship and opposition, he he points out that there are some who certainly have been faithful to the end. He says they are the ones who have been judged according to human standards in regard to the body. In other words, they died. No longer here. Natural course of events is taken their very lives, but even so, he says, but they live, verse 6, according to God in regard to the Spirit. In other words, even though they are no longer here with us, those who know and follow Christ, who repented of sin and turned to Jesus for salvation are with Jesus even now. And experiencing His presence and His provision and His protection even now and will be for all of eternity. So as Christians we journey through life, as we face opposition for faith in Christ, let's set our eyes on our future home. Let's set our eyes on heaven. Set your eyes on, on heaven. For this world is not our home. I'm just passing through. Let's set our eyes on our eternal destiny because of the love of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, every time Andrew and I would set out in our boat, Try to go up river. I remember many times thinking what it must look like just beyond where we've been. Always wanting to go a little bit further. Maybe there's this superb fishing hole on the other side of, of what we know. A sort of mentality that the grass is greener on the other side. Likewise, church, we don't, we don't know exactly what heaven is going to be like for us, but we do know that this broken, sin-filled disease-spreading world does not compare to the glory that awaits those who know Jesus Christ. doesn't compare to the eternal presence and provision of God Himself who will welcome us into His presence for all of eternity. John receives this vision from God about heaven and he describes it this way, Revelation chapter 21. Verses 3 and 4, he says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne, that is God's throne, saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So friends, because God is the ultimate judge let's set our eyes on heaven and secondly let's share the good news of the gospel set your eyes on heaven believer and share the good news of the gospel for the message of the gospel the message of salvation and forgiveness of sins through jesus is not just a message for you and for me it is a message that has been entrusted to you and to me We are stewards of the gospel and it is our privilege and responsibility and joy and task to proclaim this message, to live in light of this message so that others that don't know this message may come to believe this message and know Jesus Christ as Lord. Do you long for others, for unbelievers, to know and to follow Jesus Christ? Let me ask you, do you know the joy of knowing and following Jesus Christ? long for others to experience that joy. Let's long for others to experience that joy. Let's share the good news of salvation. In 1 Peter chapter 4, after Peter reminds us what faithfulness to Jesus looks like in the world for Christians, he then begins to turn his attention to what faithfulness in the church looks like for Christians. So let's look back in our remaining time at 1 Peter chapter 4, picking up in Verse 7, Peter writes this, he says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Church, I believe that the scriptures teach here that believers are expected to love and serve each other in the church. Believers, followers of Jesus, Christians, those who know the hope of salvation, we are called upon to love and to serve each other. In the church. For God's glory. And Peter writes here in verse 70. He says the end of all things is near. I don't think that's encouragement for us. To try to predict when Jesus is going to return. Every attempt to do so in the past has been futile. But rather it's a statement declaring. That all the major events. All the major components. Except the return of Christ. And God's grand story of salvation. Have already been accomplished ultimately culminating in the coming, in the living, and the dying, and the rising of Jesus, who then ascended back to His rightful place in heaven and sent His Spirit to live among us and in us as a deposit guaranteeing our future inheritance in His kingdom. And for those who know Jesus, this is good news, that He is coming again, that He is coming for us. Do you know the Savior? Can you long for his return? And though it's been 2,000 years since Peter penned these words, Christians in every age, I believe, are called upon to anticipate Christ coming soon. Anticipate Christ coming soon. Revelation chapter 22, verse 7, Jesus said, Look, I am coming soon. I am coming soon. Peter says, Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray Christ has died Christ has risen Christ will come again so let's live in light of his coming let's live for him let's devote ourselves to him let's live in light of his soon return in church one way that we can do that even now is by actively participating in his church call upon to anticipate Christ coming soon and to serve fellow Christians in the church. called upon to serve fellow Christians in the church. I mentioned Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, earlier as we celebrated membership. The verse says, From Him, from Jesus, the whole body, the whole body of believers, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, every part, every member, grows and builds itself up as each part does its work. The truth, according to God's Word, as As believers who are comprised of a local community, part of a local church, we were made for each other. We need each other. We belong to each other. We are a gift to one another. So I hope and I pray that you indeed will take that insert from your bulletin and you'll prayerfully consider how the Lord may be leading you to serve in some capacity in, in this local body. We need students of the Word who can teach, and we need caring, gentle hands who will rock babies, and we need loving adults who will invest in children's ministry, and we need technical folks, and we need folks who have a passion for seeing the gospel spread throughout this city, and we need folks who will serve by filling communion cups, and folks that will collect offerings, and folks who will decorate and folks who will make decisions. If you are part of this local body of believers, if you are a member of this church, then we, we need you. And we need you to serve as the Lord leads you. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Church, we are called upon to follow Jesus faithfully and to serve one another selflessly. Let's anticipate Christ coming soon. Let's serve fellow Christians in the church. And finally, let's aim to exalt God with our lives. As a follower of Jesus, aim to exalt God. Aim to glorify God with your life. Peter closes out this section, verse 11, in this way. He says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that that in all things God may be praised, through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. In other words, Peter's reflecting on these truths. The greatness of salvation in Christ and God's design for a local body of believers. And as he reflects on these things, he's led to praise his God. He enters into spontaneous worship, spontaneous praise through this doxology. And likewise, church. If you know Jesus, then your life exists to glorify God. As a church, we are here first and foremost to glorify God. So let's follow Jesus with faithfulness to the end. That we might join Paul in, in saying the words of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, Paul writes, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Church, let's long for his appearing. Let's live for him. Let's faithfully follow Jesus, looking forward to the day of his return. And let's follow the example of Peter this morning as we reflect on these truths. Let's Let's enter into the worship of God. Let's praise Him. Let's respond in praise as the Lord leads us. Father, we do thank You for being with us. We thank You for knowing us. We thank You for extending salvation to us by Your grace through Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, I pray that You would lead us now by Your Spirit as we continue to reflect on the truths of Your Word, the truths of the Gospel as we respond in a way that exalts Your name, that glorifies the name of Christ. Father, lead us now to worship you. Lead us now to confess sin before you. Lead us now to sing your praise through song. To declare the greatness of your gospel grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. Father, we thank you for that. Lead us now. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen.